Welcome to the Frame of Flower podcast. This is episode number 54. Let me double check that because I always forget this. Jesus Christ. What am I on? What am I on? What am I doing? Yep, I was right. Episode number 54. Welcome to the Frame of Flower podcast. This is episode number 54. I'm joined by a very, very special guest, one of my favorite people in the cannabis industry by far. His name is Mike Biggio. He is the one of the co-owners of Area 420. Thanks for joining me, Mike. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Of course, of course. Okay, so, um, you know, so just for people that, you know, are watching this and they maybe haven't seen the Area 420 documentary uh, that you know, we put out about three weeks ago, highly recommend you go check that out before you listen to this. This is going to be a little bit kind of building on top of that. Um, but so we met, you hit me up, you know, you wanted to do this uh, documentary, tell your story. Um, you, you know, I really do appreciate you trusting me with that too. Trust me with the story. And, you know, it's fucking blown up, dude. This video is done. This best video I've ever, you know, the best, the best, quality video i've ever done personally but also in terms of performance it's doing the best by far too so wh- wh- why do you think that is though so so by the way it's got seventy thousand views in the last two and a half weeks just for the listeners but why do you think that episode why, why do you think that blew up so quickly man i think it's uh I think what's different about what we're doing is the collective aspect. You know, this isn't just the story of, of Whitney or just the story of me. This is, this is an entire collective of, you know, individuals that have, that have come down to, to, you know, put their flag in the, in the cannabis space. And we're all, you know, going through this shit together. Yeah, absolutely. I think it definitely, I think um, the message, the, the business model, the you know the aura the movement that you guys are building right now um yeah i think it really was it's it's been needed you know there's not really anything like it with that you know with that kind of messaging with those kind of morals with those kind of you know beliefs that really very you know only someone that comes from the culture slash has seen the illegal market you know that where that can only come from um i also think too like yeah this the story the story of you guys, you know, annexing into the town of Moff, I think that shit's crazy as hell. Um, you know, that's what, you know, when you first told me on the phone, I was like, what the hell? Like, this is, this is nuts. So, um, no, I absolutely, I, th- I think you're, I think you're spot on. Though. I think it definitely uh, it speaks to uh, a large group of people in the cannabis culture that, you know, haven't really seen content like that, stories like that. Um. So I guess, you know, let's go in a little bit more detail of kind of your traditional market days. I'm curious. Let's start there and then we'll work our way through. In we terms talk- of- so yeah, we, yeah. We, you know, we talked a little, you know, I mentioned a little bit in the documentary, but, you know, um, I guess go into, you know, because you, you said you were getting your bud from BC. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, so my story goes back, man. I'm shit. I'm old now. I'm about to be 43. <laughs> Feels old as shit. Um, so you know, we got the stories going back before any of this shit was legal. You know, I I kind of kicked off my my weed career young. I think I was 16 years old. You know, started my first grow. You know, just just started by selling, buying and selling, growing a bit. Um, I got caught up. I did a bunch of juvie time. So I ended up doing I did almost five years juvie. Um, and this was for some other, you know, other crimes, you know, assaults and, you know, all the shit related to the life. Got out. Um, and that's when I really started growing pretty heavily. And that that's when I started making the connections up in BC and really, you know, you know, took the slanging part of this seriously. You know, got caught up. They raided my house. Um, I was growing at the time, and you know, they get that back then. They had that mandatory uh, special offender minimum, so it was mandatory eight to forty-eight years. You know, I got I got lucky. Paid a bunch of attorneys to at least get me down to the minimum. You know, I did shit every day of the eight. Got out, and son of a bitch, weed was legal again. You know, and just kind of progressed on from there yeah absolutely it's so crazy too i mean obviously there's you know still to this day in many different countries other states you know those kind of really harsh laws when it comes to a fucking plant that's now people are making millions of dollars off of legally but um what what was it like did you did you kind of hear about it when you were you know in, in prison did you hear about how legalization was going to happen because Colorado so my home state Washington state your home state Colorado we were the first two right uh but did you hear anything about that at the end of of your of your, did. your of your bid and so it, about was, a hmm? it's actually earlier so I think God, what was it so I went down in 99 I, I want to say it was 2002 2003 the medical uh laws were were officiated in Colorado. I remember reading on this, it was funny. So I, I remember reading the article and in this in this one prison I was at, there was this lady in the guard tower I used to fuck with. I, I pressed the little button on the door. I told her, hey, you know, I'm, I'm packed up, I'm ready to go. I got all my shit cleared out. Like, she's like, what are you talking about? I don't see you on the pack out list. I'm like, shit, they just made weed legal. Like, let me out, I'm done. You know, obviously they, they didn't, but she thought it was funny. But no, I, I remember that it was it was pretty early into my sentence. Did it did it piss you off a little bit? Obviously, I mean, I mean, obviously it did. But well, it was you know this shit was slow and incremental. So at first it was just medical only. So you know even under those laws, technically I would have still been a criminal. Technically at that time, people doing what I was doing were still going you know to prison. Shit, they still are. So I've chosen to look at this differently. I've never been upset per se you know i knew what i was getting into i knew what i was doing was illegal so i wasn't a shock to me you know sitting in mm -hmm. prison none of this was a was a shock and i just you know made the decision to accept this shit and move forward yeah you seem like someone who doesn't really you know dwindle on the past you move forward and you know see what you can improve yeah yeah which is definitely the way to do it i think it. what i'm more mm -hmm. what i'm more upset about is you know when, when i was you know fast forward 2008 i get out and this is when all the little dispensaries are popping up 
you know, like I, like I mentioned in the, in the documentary, I was, I was fortunate enough to be hired by a good friend of mine, Jason, you know, gave me, gave me a shot back in. What really pissed me off is when they changed the rules and barred all felons from, from being in the industry. And I, I get why they did that. You know, I do. You know, Colorado being the first to market, they had to be very restrictive if they were going to pull this off. Had they let us in, would they have been able to do what they did? Pro probably not. But it's still. I or there would that. have been a lot more ammo for the anti-cannabis folks. Be like, exactly. See? Yes. Yeah. So it was smart of them to wait a couple of years at least. Uh, yeah. It, it was, I guess. And now, you know, I'm, I'm very impressed with the moves being made. I just feel like this could have come a lot sooner. You know, for 10 years, I was basically banned from the industry, which again, I'm not complaining, you know, this, everything happens for a reason. You know, we've talked, this is what I think, this is what forced my hand into the creation of Area 420. It was, it was trying to work out all of these complications, you know, and it gave me the, the ability to, to tackle that because really I had no other option, right? Um, but that's really what we're about now, you know, now, now that this is something on the table, the social equity is being recognized, you know, it's how do we, how do we maximize this? Now, how do we do our part and get, get as many of the good guys in, you know, before these gates are closed? Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. I, um, everything that you're right, everything happens for a reason, you know, you, you know, you wouldn't be the person you are today without those, those experiences. But, you know, when, I, when we first, so we, you know, for the, so I went out to area 420, I flew out there, um, Mike came and picked, picked uh, me and uh, Joel up, the cam my camera guy, um, up, and we did a three and a half hour drive from Denver to Moffitt and, you know, the pretty drive, the key, yeah, beautiful drive, <laughs> love the drive camera guy, you know, he was just slumped. Um, but you and I was so tired to be taking the red eye and uh, like, I was, oh my God. But while we start, when we started I talking up early, yeah, no, you picked us up. Hell, it was like, what? 3 a.m. for it's like 6 a.m. Anyways, when we started talking, though, I just started I got stimulated just from the conversation. We talked all the way to three hours. And I swear to God, that was one of the that was one of the dopest conversations because I just I felt like we had connected in a number of different ways. And that, you know, you know, I, I kind of was because that one that that car ride really cemented, you know, kind of wow, this, this is going to be a pretty crazy story. And then it got crazier and crazier as I experienced it. As we rides it. are good for that. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> that three think, hour, yeah. three and a half hour ride is, is Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. I made it go by like, a, it felt like an hour. Um, but I, what, what I got in that con one of the many things I got in that conversation is I think there's, there's very few people out there that are grounded in, you know, grounded from the culture, grounded from the traditional market. There are people out there like this, but there's very few of them. I think you're one of these people. And so you're grounded in the traditional market. You know, you've experienced literally you've been in jail, all this stuff, but you also really understand the future of the legal, you know, professional cannabis market. And you're also someone that genuinely cares about, you know, these, these, you know, legacy growers, you know, social equity growers, small growers. And, you know, I, I just, I just think it's, 
it really spoke to me was like, dude, you're, you're, there's very few people like you that, that have that good of understanding on, on, on the, the business and the future, like knowing where this is going to go, but also having that grounding in the traditional market and, and wanting, you know, and then that, you know, really wanting you to truly help, you know, the small, the, the little guy, the small business, the, the legacy grower, you know, help transition these people over into the, you know, the legal market. Um, and, and that's very few, like, you know, there's a lot of people that talk about that. They talk that, but like, no one's really doing it. You know what I mean? So it's a, I just big ups to you, dude. Like that's, that's why. Well, yeah. I appreciate that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And yeah. you know, and that's, that's another critique I have, I guess, with, with a lot of this social equity that's going right now, a lot of it seems to be a name only. I, I really don't even like the name. I mean, I, I, we have struggled. We've, we've discussed what else to call it. I don't know, you know, legacy, what is it, but yeah. You know, th this is something that the state is now willing to address. The problem with it is there's a lot of fluff, right? There's a lot of programs and training and, and uh, incubator programs. But none of these really lead to true equity. Right? Or they set so up you, kind of traps a little bit to get to lose control. And there's, there's all the types of thing. slimy things, right? We talked about what just happened in Cali. Exactly. Is now it's coming out that their initial round of social equity applicants, they really were, they were set up for failure. They're all filing bankruptcy right now. And, and that's, I mean, that's the worst thing of all, right? These people are so passionate and, and they come into this and then they, but, so they'll overlook a lot of things. Right. And I think that's really where, where we've really succeeded is in, in coming in and, and paying attention to all the minutia in the back end, you know, and, and a lot of it is putting the right team together. You know, Whitney and I are a perfect example, you know, without Whitney, this project wouldn't come together. So, so that's what we're trying to figure out here, right? The, the legacy guys, I have a lot of heart for that, but there's a lot of critique on their end as well. Yeah. Right. They don't, often act the in the most professional uh, manner yeah. as well, right? You know, they've been known to burn investors on the other end. So, so it's how do we get, build the right team here? Yeah. And, and there's a lot of this now, you know, this is, I, you know, when I tell people that come in area 420, and this is true, you know, they, in Colorado, we, we took the uh, casino regulations and basically scratched out, you know, and wrote, added a bunch more shit to it right so this is one of the most heavily heavily regulated industries there is and this is the struggle i see from a lot of guys coming from the legacy traditional whatever market you want to call it is they don't know how to play that game right they're used to just basically trapping and in a lot of ways see you know there's a trade-off there's things that are easier and then there's things that we all you know are happy to never have to deal with again but to do this, it takes a special type. So the fine line that we're walking right now is how do we preserve the culture, but yet still work with these other entities that could be considered corporate, right? But, but, but and, and what I'm trying to do is, is simply make sure that the legacy people that come into this operation, their IP, their work is protected and they have a fair stake in this. Right. But it, but it's going to take other money. This, this is where this is going. Right. The, the floodgates are just starting to open. I mean, these are all the things that we've been talking about 
for years, right? They're, they're playing out right in front of us. You know, I think federal legalization is coming quicker than people think. Um, and then what happens then, right? And, that, and that's really what Area 420 is being built for right now is the inevitable, you know, world market. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to get to the the world because I, and just in general, like, I, you you know, you guys' ability to realize I mean, we have to play for the future. You know, that's, that's what all, you know, especially small business and cannabis need to be, have that kind of framework of, of thinking for sure. I can love that. Absolutely. And we'll, and we'll get to the, you know, I want to get to the whole business model here in a sec, but I do want to say um, that you're right. Like, you know, corporate cannabis is coming no matter what. I mean, we all know that, right? But it's how do we, you know, get as many people in? How do we carve out a spot? How do we protect the small business? Um, I keep saying it, man. We have the one thing that, that these big corporate money guys wish they could buy. And that's, you know, we're authentic. And they can't, they can't purchase that shit. They're actively, you know, trying to, to come up with brands and, and situations like that. So if we just hold strong, we don't sell out and we, you know, maintain the culture. Yeah, exactly. That's all yeah. we, that's basically what we need to do. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, it's, it's, and I want to, I want to jump into kind of sticking together here in a sec, but I do want to say like last thing on this is that, you know, the corporate, so, you know, the culture or the traditional, let's say the traditional, right. The traditional needs the corporate and the corporate needs the traditional, right. Or more so we can say that the, the, the culture needs the corporate corporate needs the culture. But it's all about like when those when when we're because we're seeing this meshing together of corporate and culture coming together right now, and it's all about the details of how it morphs together. Like, how does it morph? Like, is you know is is you know is it completely just taken over by the corporations and and you know it all comes down to the contracts. It all and yeah, devil sure yeah. in the yep devils in the details for sure. And so and that's why I say in that opening of the of the of the of the documentary. And by the way, anybody that hasn't seen it, definitely go watch it before, uh, you know, you, you, you watch, you listen to this, but, you know, I say the very beginning, it's like, Hey, you know, area 420 could be the, you know, the, the natural kind of, you know, balancing out of the system in terms of fighting against corporate cannabis. Right. You know, at the same time though, um, we can't completely vilify corporations, right? It, it, it's, you, and you're, you know, anybody that's been watching me for a while, you know, I can't stand these massive corporations because they're anti-competitive, you know, all that kind of shit. But, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, so it's a little bit more nuanced. It's complex. not universal. Yeah. Yeah. They're, you know, they're through good partnerships, you know, there, there can be good businesses that are built. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's it's go very into cheesy. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. You got it, and you got yeah. But just make sure you get the right, you know, make sure you get the right deal, and, and just the horror stories, man. That we I remember we were, we were trading some of those stories that I, you know, like I know I know people that own cannabis businesses that were originally real estate owners, <laughs> like you know they they just, it's just fucked anyway. Um, and that's the thing that I love what you guys are doing is you're setting up and going into this whole collective is you guys started out in real estate, but 
you know, when we were talking in that car ride, you know, you, the, one of the first things you were like, you said to me, and that was an instant, you know, uh, light bulb to me was, you know, we really, we push everyone that comes and buys, you know, comes to area 420 to grow to purchase a plot or own the plot themselves, because ownership is such a key component to, you know, being able to survive and not getting, you know, uh, you know, potentially, you know, having your license get taken because you can't pay the rent on the, you know, on, on, on the, on the property or, you know, all that. And you're upgrading a property that you don't own necessarily. Right. Um, so I guess let's talk about the collective. Let's talk about how you kind of set up growers um, to, you know, succeed and in, in the overall area 420 ecosystem. So that's, yeah, you just touched on it. I think in that, the backbone of this is, and, and the reason why we can all come together is because at the end of the day, everybody owns their own property and their own operation, you know, so, and it's really worked out well, you know, so on our phase one, we have 66 separate operators. I think somewhere around 50 of them are active right now. The rest of them are building out. They range from one to six acre lots. Um, and that was kind of our first, you know, we call that our phase one project. Um, we started this about three years ago and yeah, I mean, the, you know, it, it was a concern of mine in the beginning. And this was a big critique is how do you get this many growers to come together with all their egos and all their, you know, situations to come and, and, and get along and man it just it worked out this way it is an awesome community you know you you were out here you know a lot of these areas like california and these grow communities they're they're all paranoid still right because of all the robberies and all the it's just a totally different culture out here man you put you drive down the road i mean people are friendly you know it's we don't have those situations you know being clustered together so tight does give us that security protection, you know, trying to come out here and rob one of these grows, you'd have batshit crazy. Yeah. You know, these are a bunch of, they don't call 911 and, yeah. and military guys, you know, <laughs> because, yeah, you yeah. Know, two ways out the valley. Good luck. Yeah. So, you know, that gives us, I think just inherently the landscape and the, the environment that we're in just kind of gives everybody a, a different vibe. Right. So we're not, we're not on one out here, you know, every, everything's calm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and yeah, man, I think I've seen cool shit, you know, when guys are pulling plastic on their greenhouses, I mean, neighbors will run over and, 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 and just jump in just, just to help out. You know, we have, uh, get togethers, uh, you know, grow meetings where we share resources, you know, just before the harvest season, we got together and, you know, made sure to set a good rate for, uh, trimmers, um, you know, that way we're not cutting each other's throats and then same thing on the distribution end. And, and that's where I think that's, you know, that's the next thing that we're evolving into is an in-house distribution network to move everybody's product on the back end. And, you know, I've, you know, I really try to stay in my lane here. So I don't cross over into a lot of these other, you know, these, these are these people's operations. They, have free right to build out, sell to whoever they want. They are an independent business. <clears throat> so I didn't want to come in here under the guise of, you know, on, on this corporate shit of, of uh, you know, putting my finger in every single pot. So the distribution and everything has been up to them. 
that said, you know, these guys, the, the more that we can support them, the better. So we're now, I brought a buddy of mine uh, in that, that is coordinating all of the, you know, the flour so that we can have an in-house uh, distribution uh, network. Yeah, absolutely. You know, things like we, we just got approved for a store there on site and then the social use club. So just everything that we can do to help support these guys on the back end. You know, yeah, from compliance, you know, that's another big one. We just, we just brought in a, a company called Canope. I met them at the social equity meeting that Denver had hosted. So they are, you know, a, a compliance company that the town is now hired almost as a liaison between the town and the operators with the whole intention of, you know, let's, let's, you know, we, we have a very good relationship with the state. Uh, right now, you know, in, in our audits, we've had a couple of minor warnings, nothing big. People have been really good and on top of their compliance. But that said, you know, we want to we want to keep that going. So Canope is going to come in a uh, gentleman by the name of Colin Mudd. He's he's awesome. He will be doing internal audits, yearly audits, and then working as support for the operators. And this is cool because, you know, a lot of these companies, they have their own in-house staffed compliance person. You know, this setup gives the operators out here the ability to not have to hire that position, you know, just saving money. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And also just, you guys have that support system to make sure that, you know, let's say something does fall through the cracks within that, you know, single operation of that company. Well, then there's the safety net of, you know, the, we want to catch it first. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. The town wants to know and have the ability to correct yeah. it before the state has to come in and issue a violation. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. And and um, then the state likes this. You know, the state really appreciates municipalities that have an active role in regulating these things because often they don't. You know, they're just sitting back collecting excise taxes and doing nothing to to assist. That's that's yeah, that is one that is the case for sure. A lot, yeah, and, a lot of and, yeah. And mm-hmm. this is exactly the you know, the discussion we're having right now. This is the, this is what Area 420 is behind the scenes that makes all these other things, you know, doable. This one guys can come in here and through this network just just do what they do best, right? And and that's just grow, right? And through 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 our network, we have access to builders and you know. The guys that'll come in and scrape the land and put your water line, you know, the, the whole nine. So it's, that's a really big part of it. Yeah, 100%. I, um, I think, uh, obviously, like you were saying that, you know, the state must really like it one because, because you guys are, because, you know, Moffitt's taking such an active role. I also think too, like, you know, I remember Whitney bringing this up initially. Um, and just real quick, if, it's a little bit under 50% of all the licenses in Colorado. It's like, all right. So with our phase two and three operations, yes. Last I checked of the licenses, I think about to like 42% wow. of the, of the cultivation. So all uh, 42% be, of all the licenses in Colorado individuals too, not like stacked up on one company or anything. Right. Or, you know, the most part right. Yeah. Which is, and these are, mm-hmm. and each of these represented by an acre of land. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then you're also getting, you know, you're also, you know, I remember seeing those people, I'm glad this never actually, you know, 
was, you know, I'm, not, I'm glad that this, this, these different court cases involving like the RICO cases for cannabis smell. So there was multiple cases that were, uh, yeah, multiple different I remember states. following those. Yes. Yeah. Right. And this was the craziest thing ever. Cause it was like, these people are complaining about the smell. Like the, you know, people living around. It was in Colorado Springs. It was out here. There is a couple. There's one there. There was one in Oklahoma. There was one. Yeah. Uh, Luckily, that shit failed. Oh yeah, they all failed. They didn't. Hopefully, yeah, because that would that be a that'd be a terrible president to set. You know, a RICO case. It's such a weird application. The RICO case too. It's like because you're gonna because they're saying like literally every single cannabis you know cultivation place in like this entire region, you know, you know they were charged with you know I can't remember the exact charge it was, but it was the complaining about the smell. Anyways, but stuff yeah, like that is not an issue out here. Not an, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why you want to go to a rural area. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and it's such a beautiful area too. Like I actually, you know, I'm from the city. Like literally, you know, grew up smack dab in the middle of the city uh, of Seattle. And you know, I'm not the you know I, I definitely you know I like the country, but I'm not you know. But I actually loved the three to four days that I was up there. It was so peaceful just good vibes um beautiful it, I, I just really enjoyed my time up there um, feel very free yeah feel absolutely. very free yeah 100 percent um going back though to you know the collective and the future right what i what really was like you know because this is the first time we're really seeing a, a collective of this size really start to come together um and I think that the creation of this town or the rejuvenation of this small rural, you know, rural town that went from, you know, $27 in the general fund to over seven figures right today um, because of all the tax revenue. I, I think it's, you know, there's no, there's nowhere else where this is happening, right. At all. And I think that the, that place, that building of the town, that creation of this potential city cannabis city is what really helps drive the collective because people have tried. I know people have tried. They're hard to do. Collectives can be really tough, but I think there needs to be something that really unifies the community, right? That and, and that is what this 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 really like the first place where there like a whole town is pretty much popping up just for cannabis, you know. And there's been there's always been little towns like this that have you know all throughout Cali and other places, you know that that you know we're doing this with the traditional market and stuff. But this is the first where it's like official it's it has a considerable amount of licenses you know in the entire you know from from the whole pool of the entire state and so i think that that you know what do you think about that do you think the region connects is is, you know that community that you guys are building does that help push that 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 uh vision of the collective definitely um yeah man it really is an interesting mix of ingredients that made this possible you know i always said this i think this would be difficult to replicate at least in any you know many areas that i know of it you know we had on one hand we had the resources we have a good water supply but really it's the it's the support of the town and i think the recipe here is a statutory town versus a county I think I mentioned this in the documentary as well. The the on the county level, when you have the planning commission and zoning and 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 uh, commissioners meetings and whatnot, 
there's just an inherent complexity to the whole thing, which I think leads to corruption and a bunch of bullshit that just makes it almost impossible. I really think this could only happen on a statutory town level. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, 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 the fact that the town was basically not really a town, I mean, as it sat, you know, we were able to come in and, and that was a good, you know, win-win benefit. You know, I always tell people, I've never, I didn't bribe anybody. And this is, I guess this is my point, short of bribing people, which, cause we've seen that scenario play out, right? But short of going in and corruption and bribing people, I don't know how else to do it than, than, than this. And a big part of it, man, is we didn't come out here with some delusional mindset of what this has become now. I had no, you know, delusions of grandeur. Um, it was very, very incremental. You know, it started with the approval of the first license and just trying to get, you know, my old caregiver grow in at, as, a, as a legal sanctioned facility, you know, tapping into the water supply in the town, you know, that was kind of the, the warm up for, for what ended up becoming Area 420. And, you know, that gave the town time to see that the sky didn't fall. You know, another big part of it is I really did immerse myself in the town. I mean, I was, they saw me there daily, right? I was at every meeting, but I was also in the town doing shit every day right so this is how many, more year, how many years ahead of time was that like i remember like like how many years ago did you start doing that i came down there in 2014 i think is when i really started uh getting into the town pretty pretty hard wow. yeah and going to the town meetings and yeah yeah and to go back to i want to clarify just because there are probably gonna be people that are gonna watch this they don't see the documentary and, and, and or just don't get it you know yeah what you, you know what you mean by you know just short of corruption is this is really the only like you're saying this is probably the only tight like only way that this would really work because like right this is a, this is a town that's less than 100 people at the time it's falling apart there's you know really uh the people that are the town the town council you know you know they're just they're you know they're just a little tired you know they're, they're needed to be some fresh blood that came in there and was, you know, say, you know, going to potentially bring in, you know, jobs, money, all that stuff. Right. That was needed. And so that trade-off really where, you know, the town gets all this, ta this tons of tax money, rejuvenation, all this in, 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 you know, obviously in a system that was bigger, more complicated with more levels, more hands in the pot potentially. Right. You know, uh, that, you know, that wouldn't be possible. That's where you would have to then go into some sort of, you have to bribe people. You'd have to go into corruption, you know? Um, there's a lot of that shit going on, okay. you know, and there's a lot more probably, you know, that aren't even getting caught behind the scenes 100%, 100%, 100%. And the big markets, especially, I know, I mean, I've literally talked to people and they've, they've kind of made little hints to me. Yeah. You know, we're, we're riding, we're riding, we're riding nice. We've been, we've been I heard uh, some stories too. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, obviously Florida was great. I mean, but I've heard about New York and other, you know, kind of areas and that, you know, North, Northwest. Region, said, you know, yeah. I, I don't know that this could be done East of the Mississippi, you know, cause just the way the government works out there, it's just much more corrupt. Oh yeah. You know, so, so again, the town wasn't, you know, 
like you said, around 100 people, nearly had very little money in the bank, but they're a statutory town. And statutory towns have a tremendous amount of power on, you know, the way in the way the legal system works within these states, especially, you know, out west out here. Mm-hmm. So, and that's an, a thing I think people don't consider enough. I always tell people, choose your municipality very wisely. Um, you know, I was speaking with the guys from the uh, Navajo Nation that were on the show the other day. So New Mexico is going into a system where the local, the local cannot uh, ban cannabis, which is good and bad, right? And I told you, on one hand, it's great, right? Don't let, don't let, these, let, let these people do what they want to do. The problem is if you're forcing them to allow cannabis and that community really doesn't want it and the people that sit on the board and the powers that be don't want it, there's a lot of levers that they can pull to fuck with you, right? And people don't consider this. So you have to, you want to make sure that, you know, with the way the excise tax structure is set, they're your partners, right? They're getting this money off of the top. So I think you want to treat them as such and you should have a very strong line of communication with them at all times because they can make or break you that's absolutely true super spot on like keep going i I give the example of uh, fort collins back when the colorado market opened up they allowed cannabis and then the greedy powers that be saw that oh this is making money well they shut them down kicked the original guys out you know little mom and pops I think a couple of years later, they opened up and it just so happened to be operations that these guys controlled, right? So there's going to be, there can be a lot of that shit going. And this is going to play out in every state, you know, as it goes. Because even if they force the local to, to, to open it up, the local can still, still has some shit that they can do, you know, they're, they're still. 100%. I, uh, yeah, I've heard some, some crazy stories, but I, but I think so for entrepreneurs that are listening to this right now, because you know that's I know I know there's some, you know, a lot of aspiring cannabis entrepreneurs, you know that that watch watch the show. But you know some of the takeaways I think are are obviously like Mike said is, is municipalities are going to make or break you, right? You know you need to be constant contact. You need to be monitoring that. You need to be in especially and also it's the same case for you know when you're new when a new state comes online for legalization. You know if you really want to because I have a lot of people hit me up. You know hey like I you know I need help or like you know, how should I try to go about getting this license and stuff? Well, just first of all, stay on top of it, make sure, you, you know, communication, that's key. But right, going back though, municipalities can absolutely make or break you. And you're right though. The fact is, you know, if a municipality, you know, if, if, if it's going to be interesting to see with New Mexico, because you're right, it's, it's a good and bad thing to force municipality to do it. You know, for example, you know, I, one of the other high, uh, high design documentaries on um, my homie, David, right. David from Preferred Gardens. You know, we we talk about uh, in that story. He talks about how, you know, there was this really tragic story that happened um, where a elder, I'll just say the kind of El Dorado County, Sacramento area, you know, ends up getting shot by a illegal cannabis grower. It was a big, you know, it was just oh yeah, I remember. really really yeah. sad situation, and it just it was yeah. But when that happened, though, they right, shut everything they down. Shut everything down, but they. Yep. But there's no moratorium on it, though. That's the thing. You want to know what they did? And this is the thing about even if you force municipality to, you know, not be able to ban it or put a moratorium on it. But what this county did is they said, okay, we're just, you know, we're not going to let anybody get their fingerprints because you need to get your fingerprint 
on the application mm. for your cultivation license. I remember. It doesn't, yep. it doesn't yep. work unless you have that. So they literally said, hey, we're not... So there's no moratorium there, but they're just never, you know, they're, you know, uh, they the timing on lever. Yeah. One absolutely. lever will just put a pause to everything. But 100%, yep. dude. Yeah. And so the, and so, and if they can't, for some reason, do something like that, you're going to make your life a living fucking hell. Like you're saying, for example, the County that we're in right now, Swatch that mm-hmm. we annexed out of, they just put a new ordinance in that you have to build a, I believe it's a 960 square foot home plus. 160 plus square foot home with a full uh, leach field, right? For your septic prior to doing any cannabis operations. It's like, who, why, who, 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 what other business has to build a home before they start a garden? I mean, it's just the dumbest shit that they pull out of their ass. Yeah. And it, and it, and you know, I think with those kind of situations, sometimes maybe it's like, kind of either it's a slight like they just hate these these people hate cannabis the ones that you know run these counties or municipalities or whatever that hate cannabis or the more nefarious reason being they have they know that let's put a really high barrier to entry let's halt you know small business from getting in because well we have you know the 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 big companies that are talking to us right now they're you know they could be potentially even bribing people like that you know what i mean like that's what you see in california ramp it's rampant and it's rampant in some in in different markets but the high barrier to entry the high and you know i'm not against taxes by any means but the extreme extremely high taxes that choke companies like small businesses which which i thought you know politicians always like to be like oh we're all about small business we're all about no, you're fucking not. You get your you get your fucking funding from big corporations, and and in this early on market, I think that there's been people are educated now enough. There's enough experts, I guess, that are working in kind of for the corporate field that are understanding. We in these really highly competitive markets like a California, we need to have taxes high, cap the licenses put a bunch of extra, you know, uh, red tape, you know, regulation, because, you know, we don't actually need to compete. This this is like, this is the corporation. We don't need to compete. We're just gonna let the state, you know, beat them out for us. And that's what happens in today. And this is why everyone, you know, whenever he goes like, oh, you're like, oh, like they're against socialism or they're against, you know, like, you know, they're against like democratic socialism or whatever. It's like, you think we're in capitalism right now? You think this is real cap? You think this is like the actual traditional cap? No, no this is not traditional cap. This is crony capitalism. This exactly. is yes. this is like That's this right. is literally having the government, you know, do the bidding of big corporations to get rid of the small guy. Like literally, P- Peter Thiel. He said this in, in a book he wrote. Um, right, Peter Thiel is one of you know. Look him up. He's you don't know who he is. Most people probably know, but he said, if you want to get filthy rich, if you want to be actually successful in today's America. You need to aim pretty much for duopoly, oligopoly, but you need to you need to utilize, leverage the government to take out your competition. And that is that not like socialist? Is that not you know like the, you know regardless of that, it's just like people are like oh like you know capitalism. We don't have a like competition is not a thing anymore. We don't like in a lot of these markets. You know, and it, it just, sorry, it just pisses me off when I say no, that. no. I hear you. No, unfortunately, no. You're right. The we the greediest of the minds are looking at this market right now. You know, I've heard every type of uh, you know crazy structure of of raising capital and whatnot in this market is just all nuts. But you know, I I think that at the end of the day, 
what's going to stand is, you know, the authentic shit. And that's where I think coming together and at least getting on the level of scale as the big boys through this conglomerate will at least keep us a seat at the table. And I mean, I, like, I, like I always say, none of us are, not one person at 420 is going to be here five, 10 years from now if they just think they're going to be doing their own thing. I don't think that's how it's going to work. So. So that's, yeah, absolutely. It, yeah. And I couldn't agree more. And this is why I like really, you know, fell in love with like this story and everything you guys are doing. Cause you know, when you started explaining to me about, you know, this collective idea in terms of being able to actually, you know, cause typically, so when I like, you know, I, I do a lot of like, um, you know, cannabis, you know, it, you know, branding kind of business kind of like videos, just talking about different ideas to help, you know, cannabis entrepreneurs and stuff. And I always tell, I always say with cannabis, like for, you know, and I really cater to small business, you know, that's really my main focus uh, is helping you know, equip them with, with knowledge or whatever. But I, I usually say is don't ever compete on scale, compete on what proprietary tech brand, right? That's the authentic authenticity, right? The brand is, is a key thing. Um, you know, proprietary SOPs, uh, genetics, right? Those are the things that you can compete with big corporate, really anyone. Like that's where you can build value and actually leverage that into, you know, let's say, you know, one day you have, you know, you're going to get bought out. That's when you actually are at the table and you actually have some leveraging. But what I always say is don't ever compete on scale. I say never fucking compete on scale because it's not even worth it. But that's the difference here. This is the, this is the exception, which is the thing that blows my mind. Right. Well, you know, the, that's the greatest thing about this industry, I think, is, you know, these guys have tried, you know, we've talked, look at the Dan Blazarians and the Ignites and the, you know, we've seen all these different corny ass models of, of, of what these corporate guys think a brand is going to be. And it never seems to really work out. You know, who's the biggest brand right now? I, you know, the cookies, you know, the jungle, these, these guys are, are, are from the culture. Again, this is what these corporate guys wish that they could capture, but, but they can't. So, you know, I'm not scared. I say, let them keep trying with that bullshit. It, it doesn't seem to be working out very well. And, you know, and that's part of preserving the culture as well is, is not letting these guys in. You know, we talked, they, they've tried, you know, the Blazarian guys tried circling back around shit even to me uh with through uh what the hell's his name Yo, that con man can we talk about this guy yeah. right now can we just talk oh my brief, God. briefly this about shit. this guy can and we... this is this is this is exactly what it's about man is is if you want to preserve you got to block this type shit right there's going to be a lot of these deals and money coming and you got to put that shit to the side and, and and keep your course yeah absolutely yeah so for the audience so i get a call a few months ago or, you know, from, you know, Mike, Mike calls me, um, you know, is just asking me, Hey, have you ever heard about this person? I'm not going to say their name. I can't even remember the name, but I'm sure people, if you want to do research, you can probably figure it out. But, you know, you know, he's, uh, you know, Mike's like, attached he, to know, the... yeah, he's attached to like ignite. He's attached to like, be real. He's just naming all this like thing. He's like, he want, and he's saying he wants to buy everything. Working with be real, got contracts yeah. with be real yeah. and uh, yeah, all this fucking bullshit. Right? Yeah. And then, and then, you know, I go, okay. So I take down the name, you know, do, I do about five to 10 minutes worth of research max probably. 
and I do some more research later on. But after about really two minutes, I just, you know, absolute con man. This guy is a literal con man. Like he literally, you know, he, you know, he's has, he had a connection to Ignite and, and I don't really know if that's, I mean, it seems kind of like it, but just an absolute grifter, just someone who just just didn't give a fuck about the culture just, i mean literally though if you look up if you look up this dude's name pops up number one thing is this guy is a legit con man uh, not a very good one especially when you think about it takes one look you know one search and it that all that shit pops up see but, but now this is what they've moved their operations to that they're these these common are, are in here trying to seek out you know these storage you know this this real shit you know from the culture and try to capture it and, and, and purchase it. So that's, I think that's going to be the next wave, yeah. right? They figured out that their bullshit doesn't work. So now they're going to try to pirate other people's stuff Yeah, absolutely. and lie and tell people they're representing be real. And then now he's on the other side, telling people he's owner at area 420. It's just, this is how they operate. And there, there's so much of this going on. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, and that's a we almost need like a public service announcement. Cause I know a lot of these social equity guys, man, I'm getting calls like crazy. Yeah. I'm sure you too, that these guys are trying to navigate this. Fuck man. You got to be careful. At worst, they're just going to waste your time. Like a lot of these times I don't, I don't even understand what they're doing. It's like, you're not just wasting my time. You're wasting yours as well. And you're, you're so transparent. Like what the fuck are you even doing here? But they, that's the best case scenario. Worst case scenario is they're going to, you know, it gets dangerous. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I want to say too, like, that's a segment of that corporate, uh, you know, the, the overall corporate group. That's a segment. I call that kind of the con man segment, which the con man's, you know, the con men and women, you know, they're typically, you know, they're pretty much, you know, they, they started out, you know, they're probably in other industries, you know, newer emerging industries, um, you know, whether it's Bitcoin or the internet, but you know, all that stuff. Right. But they come into new industries. They take advantage of people's lack of knowledge. Now, what happened is, is though that, you know, people, you know, the con men initially, you know, they came into these industries that, you know, these, these markets that opened up legally, you know, I have no people, I know ton, there's tons of stories I've heard people getting, uh, endless, literally like why well, I, I always i ask this question to people they'll waste i mean i mean they'll work on something for you know better part of a year just mm-hmm. to find out that you know it was, it was just complete bullshit yeah no and, I, and i've seen people get run it's for not just three five hundred thousand dollars millions of dollars like millions of dollars like people like i always ask this question i'm like yo what's more slimy the legal market or the illegal market and i've had people say oh of course it's the illegal market like you can get smoked in the illegal you know you can get literally murdered in the illegal market and i like and i'm like that's not really what i'm asking like that actually kind of asked yeah. the point i'm trying to say no the legal market's way slimier because they can get you for 500 a million dollars plus and what you're gonna hire a lawyer in the illegal market you're gonna get fucking smoked there's actually principles like you, you know what i mean so no, you hear the stories, the guys, you know, they didn't, they didn't read the fine print in the contract. And one day they go to unlock the facility. It's locked. They got all their genetics. They got everything. I mean, you were just kicking it and smiling with these people the day before it's, it's even more cold blooded than that. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And, and, you know, cannabis entrepreneurs and, and you know, grow all you, need, you guys need, you know, be aware of this. I know, especially in the newer markets, anybody listening to us in any of the newer emerging markets that's the con men will drift well they'll drift from you know industry to industry but they'll also drift from new market to new market take trying to take advantage of you know you know all of these new investors coming in like hey i want to get in the weed bit you know not knowing shit 
and then them getting compl- like I, I literally have seen this so many times yeah but it, and as time goes on they all get phased out eventually because they just they burn too many bridges they obviously just do shitty work uh and they're you know but be aware of these kind of people for sure um because they're kind of the they're kind of the initial they're like part of the initial pack the first round of the big corp big corporate people coming in and they kind of tout themselves oh we're you know all this you know they're throwing around all these words they you know all this bullshit but you know yeah and here in colorado right now you know they just launched the, the social equity program and the way it's structured is the social equity applicant has to own 51 percent majority right so now they're running around looking for 49 percent equity investors and this shit's going to be happening all over the place man it's going to be a shit show because there's a lot of ways to get around that equity you know too oh, yeah. especially if you bring in the real estate and whatnot and that's another thing people need to be careful about right you don't also own the real estate and you got you're on a lease well then what good is your business and your license so you know i again the state i think is really taking a good crack at this but there's just it's that whole cause effect thing that is very hard to predict the future of how it plays out so yeah there's going to be problems with that yeah unfortunately yeah it, yeah it's it happens with any new industry but you know i think especially in this one for sure um without a doubt without a doubt um so you know this whole like you know you're, you're really building a you know a city right um you're building you know rejuvenating this, this small town it's starting to grow you know rapidly um it's really a town that has the regular like it's built for designed for cannabis cultivators businesses right so in terms of the you know you guys building out the tourism building out because you know when we were in the first car ride right uh you know you you mentioned napa valley right building out you know a, a very similar thing to what napa valley is napa valley for obviously anybody that doesn't know napa valley is you know world famous wine country you know uh it's a you know massive cluster of small to you know medium-sized wine businesses and they, and they all you know help each other they do a very similar kind of collective thing but it allows them to compete on an international level what walk me through like how you think you know that kind of correlates well, over well actually well the, the nice thing is we can i can now officially uh talk about some of the things from the the end of the documentary with the yeah. power group so you know at the time of the documentary we hadn't officiated anything we were just you know, kind of going over the, the uh, partnership. So we've since officiated that, which is awesome. And, you know, they're looking to break ground in March. So this, I mean, it's nuts, man. I still have a hard time wrapping my head around what, you know, the, what these guys are looking to bring to the table. So, you know, through our RWH energy, you know, again, these guys are, are you know, world renowned engineers their company builds power plants all over the world you know oil fields cities um you know they do a lot of really big projects so you know initially i had reached out to them um actually this was a through my partner uh derek had referred them over and we were you know we've tapped the power in our region now from from just from phase one you know we pretty much tapped these two substations so you know, we, we were looking at extra power. The, the other problem is, you know, they're burning coal 
in Pueblo right now to make the power. So we're like, all right, well, if we're going to bring power in, let's let's look at some renewable options. So RWH came to the table and again, it was just initially going to be power when they kind of saw what we were doing with the complex, they really got interested in coming on as partners. So now this whole thing has evolved into them buildings, you know, basically a city, you know, with, with, with cannabis production as the, as the major industry. So the, well, I guess what we'll call the phase one plan of this operation uh, calls for 10, you know, state-of-the-art greenhouses. These things are huge. They're 60,000 square feet, uh, two dual level, um, you know, using all radiant uh, flooring, um, all sealed. So really, really state-of-the-art shit. They're also building a, what they call the artist campus. And this is going to be the R&D facility. They're working with a couple universities. You know, now that the laws have changed on the R&D and we can finally start testing real cannabis, not that shit they're growing in Mississippi or whatever the hell it was. They can actually get it from the store now. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, well, I think the rules, at least in Colorado, is everything grown under the R&D license mm-hmm. has to be destroyed. It can only be for testing purposes. It can't then mm-hmm. go on the on the market. But it's through but the same a, process of the loot, like these companies doing it, right? That's that would be the same thing on the on the shelf, right? Exactly. And this is a great example of, of where I think these type partnerships are going, right? So here you have RWH that, again, world-renowned engineers have contacts on top of contacts for everything you can think of. In fact, the, we're building an in-house testing facility uh, on site. And one of the guys that's coming in on the project invented gas chromatography. So, you know, they just really have access to really top talent. So these are the kind of partnerships, you know, I'm really excited uh, to work with because this is, you know, they have that knowledge on the back end that, that you know, we don't have. You know, another example is we're, we're looking at building a, you know, state-of-the-art breeding facility. And we were talking a bit about this, you know, so from tissue culture and everything on the lab back end, and then how do we marry that with, you know, world-renowned breeders and create a space where they can come together and breed, but yet knowing that their IP and everything is protected through that model. So these are the discussions we're having right now. You know, how do we make this, you know, one of the world centers for, for not just, you know, production and social equity and brands, but breeding and, you know, everything cannabis. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Those talk. Yeah. Cause you know, we've been talking a little bit about the whole kind of vision that you were talking about with, with the breeding <clears throat> that's going to be insane, honestly, because I mean, obviously it's, you know, still in the early stage of talks, but the capabilities, just the amount of space, the amount of people that potentially, and then, you know, we're talking about some, some media stuff as well to help, you know, tell, tell these breeder stories stuff. That's going to be a game changer for sure. Um, but I think it's so dope because it's like, you know, you guys like going back to the tourism aspect of it, you know, you know, didn't did you, are the, are the planes, have they been uh, driven in yet? Let's explain. No. Let's explain. <laughs> Not yet. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the other component of this, this is where the shit gets real crazy. So part of the power is going to be it's solar and natural gas cogeneration. So we're doing 50 acres of, uh, Oh God, I keep forgetting the name for this. 
uh, agro photovoltaic, agrovoltaic, sorry, agrovoltaic. Yeah, what that's is that? Growing, no that's that growing. Is. That's growing crops underneath uh, solar panels. Oh. So the design calls for 50 acres of solar, but these are the panels that sit up really high, and they are on motors, so they can close up if we have a you know hail or heavy snowstorm, and then also pitch out wow. to collect sun, and you can grow a crop underneath it. So my idea is I want to do 50 acres of no-till. Um, you know, some real organic, just send that out for, um, concentrate. Wow. Yeah. Um, the other part of the power is going to be natural gas cogeneration. So they have just acquired a piece of property on the Vita pass, which is the other pass out of the Valley to the South opposite of the way that we came in. There's a natural gas line there. They're building a liquefaction plant and they're going to be trucking in natural gas. So you know, this, this project, you know, they're coming in, in with this power is something that, that would have made sense just on a power generation for the Valley. I think the fact that we're able to consume so much and everything that we're doing with this complex is just the icing on the cake, right? So not only is this natural gas and this cogeneration going to be powering our operations, but they're investing to bring natural gas to the entire Valley. And there's no option for that right now. So now everybody that's running on propane could convert over to a cleaner, you know, more, uh, more cost-effective uh, fuel to heat their homes and whatnot. Yeah. So, you know, so that's awesome. And then same with the solar. So this thing's designed <coughs> to be a net generator of power for the town and for the valley. You know, we'll be using what we, what we use out of the operation. Everything else will be back feeding into the grid. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you know i talked to mike your uh by the way great guy is he former special this is this is the person who's at the end of the documentary represents rw isn't he special forces like i i you know i forget which branch of the military but yeah he's definitely on i think he has yeah, a ranger on. shirt on in there so i think that yeah anyway not to you know want to tangent anything but anyway I, I love mike the other mike mike your great guy too well well real interesting spin off of that i think we talked about this a, a couple months ago when that afghanistan uh situation was going on and yeah. they you know they couldn't get the people out you know we for about a month we weren't able we had put a stop to the working on this project because they had to peel off and go help get guys out of afghanistan wow. so their whole team that's you know their whole crew is a bunch of retired military yeah. i think small business different veteran branches. yeah veteran yeah, yeah exactly yeah, hundred percent. And you know, I, I when it, I, you know, when I after I talked to you know Mike, you know Mike Yor, and I kind of you know kind of explained the whole uh, you know plug-in of the energy, you know, this is where really, and you can see this in the documentary, right? You know, when you're explaining about their investment and stuff, and then at the very end, you know, you're like city, right? You say the word city, you know, as we were talking about it, right? And the reason why I bring up city and why I think that, you know, this is really going to grow into a massive, you know, uh, amazing place for cannabis is, right, if you look at any economy, uh, if you look at the, the world economy, right, everything is the, the, the infrastructure that, you know, what run, what, you know, what, what our entire economy runs on is oil, right? Oil has won world wars, oil has destroyed countries, oil, you know, energy in general, energy makes or breaks your economy. Now, right. the fact that you guys are going to have all this access to, 
you know, cheap, affordable, uh, you know, for the most part, clean energy in this, you know, very uh, at this at this point, and you know, you know, obviously this will change once this all gets you know uh, installed. You know, this this very rural area, you're gonna be breeding. You know, you're you're, you're breeding a place of of extreme economic growth, right? Energy is number one. It's it's literally the fuel that keeps the entire economy going. That's why we invaded Iraq. That's that's like, you know, all of that. You know, right? So yeah, yeah. efficiency is the is the the number one thing. You know, in the design that we're going for here. So these cogeneration power plants. You know, currently they're they're building natural gas. These guys are very forward thinking. So these this machinery has the ability, along with the storage tanks that we're going to be holding the natural gas, can switch over to hydrogen when when the technology is there. And they're thinking that this isn't as far away as people are thinking. So, you know, when that happens, that's 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 a world game changer. Um, but but as as they currently operate, so they, they burn natural gas, and in the combustion, you know, we're they're generating heat, they're generating uh, electricity. That heat, they're also making generating water. So so through the burning process, right? There's there's water being generated through these. Um. So to keep the efficiency up, we're using radiant heat pipes through all the facilities. So we're capturing the heat from the combustion um, as our heating source, and that can also be reversed into cooling. So in the summer, we'll have radiant slabs that are removing heat from the building and reversed in the summer. That's crazy. That's insane. You know now, oh, and then the, the other benefit is CO2 is a part of the combustion process. We're scrubbing, scrubbing, capturing that. Each of these facilities will have, you know, CO2 gas as a utility to the property. So you can do CO2, close, close loop, all that. Exactly, wow. exactly. That's amazing, that's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, what I think also kind of piggybacking on your on your your point, you know, when people talk about, uh, you know, the, the the new era of energy and, you know, being sustainable, all that stuff, right? People always say like, they always say like, hey, you know, actually different, a lot of countries in Africa or the other places around in the world that are less developed are actually the, you know, and you could kind of argue, right, that the, you know, that that massive valley, right, it's the highest alpine desert in in the world, right, in in this county, in this town, it's obviously very rural, it's pretty undeveloped, right, so it's in a similar place where people can come in now and actually apply technology and have you know a fresh you know clean plate to apply you know this, this new technology that's going to be more efficient that's going to be and i i would assume to set up to adapt for the future but if you look at back at like a lot of you know you a lot of the us right cities especially right there's a you, you kind of people these, these cities get into a crunch when they make terrible decisions 30 years 30 years ago right and they we were up- just having this conversation yeah. this morning with, with the engineers about yeah. the beauty of the fact that there's no lines in the ground that we're working on right there there's just nothing so we have a complete blank slate and we, yeah, we are having that kind of, you know, in New York right now, this, how do you do this shit? Right. I mean, it's like, yeah, imagine it's just, it's just not, I mean, with these, yeah. this plan calls for big, you know, 12 inch insulated, you know, lines throughout the whole. So it's, yeah. Yeah. It definitely makes it much easier. It's, it's a good place for this project. Yeah, no, it, it definitely is, dude. It's, it's, yeah, it's in a, it's such a beautiful place too. It's it's an amazing place. Um, hmm, uh, sweet. I'm curious. 
I want to bring up Crestone because of that whole thing. I, I just think it's so fascinating. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah Crestone, that town. Crestone. And I'll just go briefly. So I, you know, before this whole story, you know, I, I so I listened to this podcast about like three, two, three years ago with uh, Max Girl. Vanished. It was up and vanished. I think it was season two or something. It's a, it's a really the big guy. Does an excellent job at that podcast. He did such a good job. Yeah. Well, and then, here, well, I don't want to get, and I want to get into that here in a sec because they they did they did a great job, but let me explain this for the audience. So this this up and vanish, right? Uh, this is the second season, right? Each season covers a story of someone that just goes missing, and they you know people and they're, they're cold cases that are they're actively trying to be solved. Anyway, so there was this season two was all about this 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 girl named Crystal, I believe, right? And um, still rising her, yeah, yeah, and and. You know, I knew I like I, I just had spent, you know, because it was like what, 10 episodes, an hour, you know, so much description of Crestone. And then a couple of years later, I end up going to Crestone because Crestone's kind of it's, it's nearby. Right. It's like it's 15 minutes away from off. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and. It's this crazy hippie town that, you know. It's it just was so surreal. And I keep telling I always tell us I was when I was talking to like people about it. Only, I mean, like, I was talking to, like, like for example, like, Joel, the camera guy, he, he just didn't give a fuck. He's like, I, I don't really know what you mean, like, whatever. But it was just so surreal. Like, you see the hotel where she had went, you know, all that stuff. Um, that being said, though, it was interesting. And it's kind of a little bit off the table. I was, you know, talking to some, you know, some people, um, right, that, you know, from the area that I was talking to them at Area 420. And, and they said that that whole, that whole, reporting was was completely off or something they thought but i don't know i don't want to go, <laughs> go too deep into that i just didn't no, i don't think it was entirely off yeah. no but there there is some some tie-in so you know crestone is a very interesting place in a lot of ways i think it's what made area 420 possible so you know rural areas in colorado are are very normally extremely conservative Yep. Right. And something like what we what, what we've uh, been able to achieve out here, just they would not allow it. Right. It's just not the way it would work. My theory is that Crestone over the years is a very free spirited. I call it a free range mental institution. You have but but, you know, on a more serious note, they do have world renowned spiritual centers um, scattered across the mountain. So there's some interesting history there. Um, Maurice Strong, who used to be the head of the United Nations, and his wife, Hannah Strong, basically owned that whole portion of, of uh, what they call the Baca, which is now a big subdevelopment mm -hmm. that, you know, somewhere around 3,000, 3,500 people live in now. Back in the day, they donated a bunch of land to all the, you know, Buddhist religion, you know, you name the religion, they have a, they have an awesome spot oh, yeah. hugging the mountain there. Yeah. So over the years, it really brought in, you know, um, you know, more spiritually minded people to the area. And I think over the decades that has had a, a big influence on the valley and the county as a whole, which kind of gave the, the, what would be more conservative, close-minded ranchers, I think, you know, kind of opened their mind up a little bit because it is very unique, you know, and the, the entire valley just kind of has that that cool factor to it. 
Yeah, 100%. And, and to also, I want to clarify too, like this, you know, this whole story, it was a very unusual story with this, this, this girl going missing because I mean, it, there's weird culture very, going very, on very, up yeah. there. I mean, imagine this is an area with literally no police. So, so we have, I believe a, a sheriff and I think five deputies that have an area the size of Rhode Island as their territory. And they don't really care to work that hard on it just in general. So it is a virtual free for all out here. And that, you know, it's a double-edged sword. It, it, it's good in the sense of, I always say, you know, you don't want to do any business in Cresto. They're just a little bit, they're a little too far gone. It's a cool place, but it's not the place to do business. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, a no, very, it's very safe. Very, I want to clarify too. It's a very, very safe place, you know, like, it is no, yeah. It's not like oh, you're gonna get that. caught. Yeah, no. no I mean, yeah, if yeah. you're into crazy sh- cult shit, you know, well then, yeah, crazy cult shit might happen to you. But no, I, I don't see any of that. I dodge all that nonsense. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's yeah, it's just a, it's a, it's fascinating just with that that whole story. And then there's you know, other, you well, then there's the love is one. There's the, the other. So that's another. It's a whole other cult, right? That's but, a whole other cult. I mean, like I said, this is uh if you're in a cult, this is this is the place to come do it, boy. You can you can start yourself go to, a cult go over to here. Out, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Literally. And anybody, if you're in, like, what was the name of the cult, by the way? I don't want to go, go into the details, but just for people, if you're interested, you can look it up. What's it called? Love uh, is love all. is one. Love is love one. is one. Oh, yeah, love is it's one. a yeah. wild, wild shit. You have to. Oh, if it's interested crazy. in it. Go look it up. It's a yeah, hundred percent. Um, yeah, but so in terms of um. A little tangent there, but <laughs> I had to read that up. Yeah, man. Well, um, anything else you want to touch on here? Um, obviously, definitely gonna have you back here, but I wanted to, you know, for this initial podcast, is there anything else? Um, no, I think there's a good update, man. I think there's gonna be a lot more things yeah. coming up soon. You know, I'll be more excited when we can actually show and you know, not just talk here. So, but we're we're breaking ground soon. You know, we're having those discussions every day on how to structure this out. Um, yeah, so I think there's going to be a lot of exciting things coming down the line. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to see how this all plays out. I'm, I'm very hopeful, and, and I think this is very beautiful what, you know, you guys have put together here. And, um, you know, I yeah, I just think it's – you know, like when we when we first started talking and then, you know, we you know, did that car ride and then we kept talking, obviously, throughout the whole trip while I was there. You know, it, it just by the time I left, I was just so like. It was just I was amazed. I was like, this is this is such an opposite. Occurrence that we, you know, like this is such a this is such a unique thing where we don't you know, now we see big corporations coming and now we see you know, we haven't really, we haven't seen really any sort of movements, forces kind of rebalancing out, you know, from the other side, kind of coming from the small business legacy growth, you know, nothing, you know, really of structural and like, you know, importance that I've seen until this recent, you know, until this. Well, they make it hard. I mean, you look at like the county or a lot of these areas, they won't even let you get within a certain thousand feet from each other. You know, they're very actively in the way the they, they regulate these things, keeping people from clustering together. Yeah. Even though, you know, especially on the grow end, like I, you know, store, like what's the point of clustering all these stores together? But, but on the grow end, you know, that's, 
that's what we found in there. Why, why scatter this out and piss off a bunch of neighbors? Just just designate an area for it, and let's just do it. And you know, and then you get the uh, the whole economy of scale benefits. But so yeah, no, it's they make it very difficult. Yeah, no, it's it, they do, and it's it's amazing to see that this is uh, you know, what you guys have done is just come to fruition, and um, you know, you and you and Whitney and your whole team just absolutely amazing. By the way, guys, for uh for you guys watching um so as you guys can see on the screen here i just shared the screen um you guys can go to colorado area 420.com um you can check out their website you know you can contact uh, get contact info also you can follow on instagram facebook all of that stuff as well so that's colorado area 420.com definitely check that out guys um but yeah, man, I just, like I said, really, really amazing to see what you, see what you guys are doing. And um, uh, I'm very excited to continue to have you come back on, on, the, on the podcast and, you know, give us updates and stuff. And um, yeah, dude, I, I'm just so impressed with just everything you guys have done. And, and it's, I love how the kind of, you know, fate kind of took you to this place, right? You know, and I love when I like when I was talking to Rico, Rico's somebody that's on, you know, the team on the Area 420 team, you know, he was telling me, you know, it was like, what, like six, seven years ago, right? I mean, he was homeless, right? He was saying, right? Was that Rico? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and just like, and, I, and I'm, maybe I shouldn't say that, I guess, on the, the part, but like, I think he would, I don't think, like, no, he's, he ain't got no shame. No, I mean, yeah, absolutely. You know, that's, it's, yeah. It's just the growth of that, the though, struggle, from there. Man, if you're yeah. gonna... mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, if you're going to work with the social equity and the and the grind, you know, every, every you know, everybody out in Moffitt, you know, this shit's not easy. We're in the middle of yeah. nowhere. It was it's it's a struggle for everyone. You know, a lot of these guys are bootstrapping this shit. They're living on site. They're doing without, you know, at least the first couple of years until they can, you know, start taking some good profits and moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I just, yeah, and I, I just, that growth from, you know, from that, you know, there and just also just, I don't know, it's, it's very beautiful. It's, you know, just love, I love to see it. And uh, it, it gives me hope in hopefully not a completely, you know, disgusting, overly corporatized canvas industry. And, you know, I think that you guys are really, you know, a major, inf- you know, a major structure that's forming that's going to help preserve the culture. Yeah, in a really really meaningful way um and yeah it's amazing um well thank you so much for uh coming on the show by the way i really appreciate it mike um i'm gonna put mike's instagram is there anything else you would want me to put in the description i can't i can't put the website because anything that's not approved by youtube you can't put in the description it, yeah bullshit but I'm i guess pop- one thing I guess one little update I want to throw out there just so I don't get swamped in my, uh, so, you know, with this new partnership, we are transitioning into a new model. So, you know, before this, we were just, it was pretty simple. We were selling lots, right. And then people would build and it would be their, their operation. So we are down to our final five lots that we're selling. The rest of them we're putting on the table for this new project. And now we're transitioning into a model where I'm going to be recruiting talent to come kind of run these operations um so just get yeah just a heads up on that we're that we are going through that transition right now 
Yeah. 100%. Um, but I'm excited. I mean, this could be a, a, a much more interesting opportunity to work with some really good guys. Um, yeah. In new state of the art facilities Yeah, and just build and develop some, you know, brands and some projects. Yeah. hundred percent. And you know, yeah. So guys maybe listening, looking for talent, you know, looking to, you know, uh, bring more, uh, you know, obviously talent people that, you know, are trying to innovate, you know, make, make, you know, make new things happen, be, be part of something that's really massive, but also to any companies out there that, you know, I, I think I would add on to this is any companies out there that can help build out this town city, right. Whether it's for two, you know, you know, but you know, there's potentials there, right. There's potential opportunities for, you know, tourists that, you know, activities, right. Or, you know, something like is, is that is that somewhat open definitely yeah. yeah oh yeah man i mean you know we have our projects here but i think that's going to support you know we already had a group come to us that wants to build a hotel you know separately um yeah, i mean there's a lot of land out here there's a lot of opportunity uh for future developments i think it's going to blow up pretty big i think so too man i think the the ingredients are all there especially when you plug in the energy piece of it it's gonna yeah it's yeah gonna, and we'll have power for everybody yeah that'll be <laughs> yeah it's gonna be a good green power hell yeah hell yeah well anyways guys thanks for watching if you made it to the end of this video you are amazing um i loved working on this documentary it's like you know really really was a special one for me and and i you know i love i love everything you know this whole story and everything they're doing um but if you guys like the episode please hit the like button check all the links down below the description you can you know uh instagram you know for mike as, as well as mine and, and um also drop a comment what are you what's your opinions of this what's what's your thoughts on this um anyways this is the frame of flower podcast episode number 54 with mr mike biggio co-owner of area 420 thanks for coming on dude appreciate you awesome thanks man Oh, uh-huh.